I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Welcome back to Oops! The Podcast. I'm Francis, joined as ever by Giulio Gallarotti. What's up, lads and lasses? Happy Tuesday to you fine folks listening to our intrepid, beloved podcast. Uh, we're having a lot of fun. Julio and I have been hanging out so much. <laughs> so much. And I actually turned to him last night as we were in the middle of yet another hang and said, do you worry that we're hanging out too much so much that we're going to burn through conversation that would be better saved the podcast. <laughs> and he said, no, I think it's a good thing. I agree, dude. We have a lot. Yeah. Like our hang has become a much more like kind of like, you know, if I'm in the neighborhood, I'm going to hit you up type of thing. That's it. And, you know, other way around too. So it's good. So Julio, we, his, 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 uh, new apartment is so central. I mean, you, if you were to, I don't know how to put it. If you were to place a pin on the island of Manhattan <laughs> and fold the sides around it, you'd have a square. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, yes. It is the most central uh, apex around which to fold a square napkin. Um, it's pretty convenient. Yeah. It sure is. Apex isn't the right word. Probably vertex. I don't even know. We were there. We were doing the Girls Gotta Eat Instagram live show. We hopped in for a bit. That was quite fun. Yes. Um, they were so nice to have us. And then we just sort of hung out and we drank White Claws. <laughs> Not ironically whatsoever. Not ironically. I mean. We love Claws. What dude. a great product. <laughs> claws are great. No, this, it was actually, it was a good hang. Like Francis came over. We did the live. He had to go to a spot. He then came back after the spot. And we drank more claws. More claws. And it was great. Yeah. And it was funny. Like, I, I've talked about on the pod how I'm afraid that I'm not going to be a good host. And there's a couple of times where, like, Francis asked for water and, like, my face just, like, turned no. jet white. That's. And then that's, he started laughing his ass off. He's like, and he explained, he's like, dude, at this time in the night, he's like, I would, don't worry. Like, I can get my own water, dude. He's like, even in my house, I would, it's, it's fine. At this point, look, it's it's beyond belief how neurotic Julio is about hosting because of how much we've talked about it on the podcast and how much he's brought up how, how good of a host I am, which I appreciate. So, for example, I don't even think I said, can I get a water? I think I stood up and said, I'm going to go get a water. And he was like, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. And I was like nervous. Um, and then at the end of the night, I tried to grab my water glass and, and my empty white claw can to bring them to the kitchen. And he was like, leave it. Leave it. Speaking to me like I'm Kojai. I'm just becoming an oppressive host. Now. Yeah. I've gone too far in that direction. But but he, you know, look, you guys are great hosts. And it was so fun for me to see the joy on Hillary's face when she looked around and realized that a bunch of people were happily, comfortably hanging she at your new excited. home. And she goes, this is a real gathering. Yeah. This is really great. She loves to do commentary. Mm. Like she, mm. she, even though it's obvious to all of us, she has to say that. Well, 
But you know, quality, but... I, I brought this up, I think, uh, when we were hanging out at that Soho house <laughs> place where I said, um, my new thing now out of quarantine is to step away from the group that I'm hanging out with uh, and sort of take a bird's eye view on what's happening and then offer a broad uh, <laughs> sort of, you know, uh, happy, happy sort of bow on everything that's occurring. Right. So so I, I step away for a second or I sit, sit back for a second. And then I go, guys, how great is this? <laughs> that's my new thing. And then and then I that's might a if good I, guy to be if I'm really feeling it, I might even say something like, guys, these are the nights. <laughs> these are the nights. These are the nights, guys. And you know what? People laugh and they think I'm a joke, but I think it also inserts a little bit of awareness of, man, we're back in it. We're back into doing the things that we used to do so commonly that we took them for granted. Yeah. Which is just hanging out with six people and having like four margaritas and feeling great. Casually on a non-occasion. Yeah. Being hung over for no reason. Yeah. A night that just hits you in the face, comes out of yeah. nowhere, the right people gather. It's a good time. And the, and the music's good. The lights are on the right setting and everybody's looking good and feeling good and ready to bone <laughs> well dude last night we were also chilling with our friend ricky and his wife julie mm -hmm. now i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast before but i sort of indirectly introduced them to each other it's mm. funny my entire crew not the entire crew but like ricky and his wife are a product of me like introducing them and also benny and remy who remy we've had on the podcast yeah they also know each other because of me so I feel like this sort of matchmaker, yeah. which is interesting. And it, it's funny because both of these people, Julie, Remy, they're people that I've known for now 15 years. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I have consistently spent so much time with them, but I never would have expected to. And quite frankly, if I weren't to have set them up with good guy friends of mine, they wouldn't be as present in my life. Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting thing. It's cool. Um, this is Remy from the How Come podcast, which you right. might be familiar with, and uh, Ricky Velez, uh, who whom we've had on on the podcast, great comedian. Uh, yes. She's a great comedian too. Um, so you guys might be familiar with them. Does setting up a a, a long standing match make you feel good? Yeah, I mean, l listen, it's worked out for the most part, in both of those situations. So it feels good. You know, if it were to have gotten ugly or, you know, then it would not be so good. Well, here's my question, right? At what point, even if it were to get ugly, uh, would you say, you know what? It may have ended poorly, but that was still a long enough relationship that I, <laughs> I'm glad I brought them together. You know, I, I don't necessarily know if I care about how long it lasts. No, but, but here's what the I think I'm more concerned about and is like them being terrible together and everyone and me not wanting to hang out with either of them anymore. Oh, have I'm you not ever done that? Mm, I don't know. Like, I'd have to think about it a little more, but like, I'm not that concerned about one of them breaking the other one's heart. Like there are everyone's adults here. Like, it's not my fault. You've never created a two headed monster. I think I've said there was one couple who I know them both really well. And I could have stopped it from continuing. I Whoa. knew it was going to be a disaster. You know some, I'll tell you off the air. Um, but dude, it, it was really, it got really bad. And I actually had to hit her up and be like, hey, 
I knew that that I, I don't want you to think that I didn't know that it was weird. I just didn't want to interfere. Hang on a second. Wait a second. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. We need some clarification on this. Okay. So you brought two people together. So there are two people who sort of indirect i like being around me and our friends led them to each other yeah they started talking we all anybody who knows both of them there's a few of us who knew them both who are like that they are talking like what we're kind of like whatever we'll just let this happen and then it happened and then it got super fucking weird huh and were i they just together or had it did they just hook up once and then it was uncomfortable it was a short-lived thing where it was kind of like hot and heavy for a couple weeks yes. and then slowly the old, one party realized there was no shot it was going to work the old two-week comet relationship and dude spending time with them was brutal oh yeah was like, there a lot of pda like maybe, but you could also tell that they've only hung out together. And mm -hmm. then once they're hanging out in a group, mm -hmm. that's when you really realize you don't have something in common with someone. Sure. When you're hanging in a group and you can't kind of tailor your personality anymore to them because you're hanging out with other people who know you. Yeah. And if you're just acting weird or just doing baby talk or whatever fucking shit you do in private. Yeah. Yeah. That's no good. Um, so you then told the girl after they broke up or they ended, they ended, you said we knew all along that that was a train wreck. So let's also say that maybe she is a work friend and I, I, you know, I didn't want to damage that working relationship. Uh -huh. So I just wanted to be like, listen, I knew that this was weird. I know, I don't want you to think that I didn't know it was weird because I know how things ended up for you and how uncomfortable you ended up being. And I want you to know that I knew. I don't Wait, want hold on. Did you are you saying that you knew it was weird once they ended and it was bad, or all along? Once the train had gone off the tracks. Once the train goes off the tracks, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. <laughs> hey oh <laughs> yeah. engine, engine number nine. nine. This couple is gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little freestyle. Watch out. Um so anyway fucking yeah so i you know I, I didn't want her to think that i had no idea because we spent a little time with them and we were sort of you know just trying to keep it nice and when something insane would happen and she was like this is insane and we acted like it was normal i wanted her to know that i too felt that it was insane were you letting her know that you were on her side i wasn't on anyone's side i see because the guy's a very good friend but yeah. I, it was very apparent to me that it wasn't going to work did either of them resent you for bringing them together do but you ever I fear was, that that's the risk of matchmaking? This is the only time that I've ever felt that that, that was a risk. Because sometimes, you know, like you hang out with a person and their friends. And if shit goes wrong with her, the friends sort of fall by the wayside too. Right. I was closer to the guy in this situation. Very, very good friend. And, you know, it, it didn't go well. And I wasn't willing to like have that ruin my relationship with her too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I very respectfully of him brought it up to her and was sort of like, it, it appears that this isn't working out. And was that wasn't the first that she had learned that it wasn't working out, right? She, I think it had been a, I had heard from other people things that like she would never tell me that I was like, oh, that makes sense. I see. Type of thing. Boy, Julia playing it close to the chest. I like it. <laughs> very, keeping his cards close. Very Diplomacy, coy, man. Very coy, very pragmatic. Just trying to make Good everybody on happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man. I um, I, I love the idea of being a matchmaker. I have always wanted to be a human dating app. 
Um, <laughs> I really have. And say like, well, this guy's six foot one. She likes that. And then she's agnostic. And that's something that he likes. And, you know, they, they both uh, value um, dogs <laughs> and uh and whatever else and they, i'm sure they'd have fun playing co-ed tennis together but uh i've never nobody trusts me well dude nobody see, trusts we'd be me a to good bring team. people together we'd be a good team because well, I, think, I, think, I don't examine the empirical data like that i sort of like feel it out <laughs> but you being like all right let's stick to the numbers like, yeah like the dog column being checked off in both yep, columns yep. like i'll be the quant and you be the the quint. Qual, the yeah, quint. you yeah. be you be the qual. I'll be the quant. Yeah, and uh, and together we'll put our skills together we'll and make and, this and, happen and make it. A, now look, <laughs> I, I think there's a very strong distinction for us to make between bringing people together that we don't know, right? As we've spoken about, people on, who listen to the podcast, we are excited to set you guys up and potentially go off and and have lots of oops children, um, and and then also versus setting up friends, friends of yours. Mm-hmm. Do you know, especially when there's they're both friends of yours because there's a high risk of setting friends up. Yeah, for sure. Um, Fuck up the dynamic. You screw up the the group. Um, you, you get blamed if someone has their heart broken. Uh, if, if the guy ends up, you know, being a jerk and, and, and not treating the girl well, well then she resents you and vice versa, whatever it is. And yet, my girlfriend and I were set up by a very close mutual friend. So I've always had um, a lot of fondness for that way of coming together. It's a wonderful way to come together. I think it's the most assured way of a successful relationship. Number one. Like like intro to the successful relationship. It's a really important building block. Someone who knows both of you very well and thinks that you would be a good match to me, I, I have to believe that has the highest batting percentage for success in relationships. Right. Um, higher than dating apps, higher than meeting someone at a bar, higher than meeting someone at Whole Foods, which I used to think was number one. <laughs> uh, it, it has to be, right? So, um, and by the way, if you read, I've said this before on the podcast, Aziz Ansari's book, Modern Romance, which people should read, um, it, it talks about how that's like the most old-fashioned way. You know, mm-hmm. parents used to set people up. Yeah. Uh, friends used to set people up. And then, you know, uh, people started meeting the workplace and that became more of a thing. And but now but 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 I still think friends setting up people they know on dates is is the best way for people to meet. Yes, I agree. But as you said, or as as we were saying, yeah. it is a high risk. There's unfortunately, you know, there's a risk. But again, like what risk? You know what I mean? Like somebody's ends up being butthurt for a few months like it, it ultimately is worth the risk. I had a friend that I wanted to set up with one of my girlfriend's friends. And um, I, she, her friend had once upon a time mentioned to me that she thought this guy was cute. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he was in a relationship. And so I sort of held on to that nugget. And I always thought, you know, one of these days he might become single. And when that happens, I'll let him know that this young lady has harbored, uh, uh, you know, an affinity for him all this time. And she's just been waiting in the wings until he was a a free man. You didn't tell him whether he was in the relationship still? I may have done. I may have done. But as soon as he 
became single, I definitely immediately reminded him of it. And then we both thought, okay, here we go. It's it's happening. The stars are aligning. <laughs> one of my best friends and one of her best friends are going to are going to get together and then the four of us are going to go on camping trips and and do tennis <laughs> lessons and we're going to buy houses that are that are share a lawn and our kids will grow up and we'll have children. We'll sink our we'll sink our time where we have children so that our kids are the same exact age and we can do joint birthday parties and save money on cake. Oh man, you got yeah. ahead of yourself there. Yeah, huh? well, you know, I tend to do that. So the whole point of this is to say that as soon as I told him that, he then <laughs> we then thought it was like a green light. And sure enough, I think he like tried to hit her up and ask her if she wanted to go out or whatever. Or maybe he saw her once and was like, hey, want to come over? And she was like, no. <laughs> and it had been so long since she had told me that like, she had her mind had completely changed yeah. and, and maybe she was even kidding when she told me like i don't even know if it was real and i felt so bad for like giving him the wrong information and setting him up for failure but also for putting her in an awkward position where he thought he had a shot and i was like god i i am not cut out for this matchmaking business and when i talked to my girlfriend about it she was like dude you got to run that shit by me like it gets sticky when you're when you're talking about our age friend group that's like very adjacent because these two see each other a lot like booby trap it's gonna fuck up the board game dynamic like we can't have we can't have to be conscious of oh this person's coming so we can't invite him or vice versa we're not we don't we don't have enough friends to like to to have to you know leave people out so, uh, man, I think I think I gotta I gotta take a back seat in the match <laughs> matchmaking game, dude. Moral of the story, man: a, a rotten intelligence briefing can really do damage. You're right, dude. One time, okay, listen to this. I had a girl who I was crazy about in college. We mm-hmm. messed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. My ex girlfriend at the time was a real fucking pariah. Every time I would have a thing going, she would try to sabotage it yeah, and saboteur. did saboteur. So yeah. we we spent some time together in college. Always was fond of it. I'll never forget those times. Then in the city, I bumped into her one night, and then we kind of spent a couple more nights together here and there. We're fooling around. Time goes by, and I'm I'm dog sitting for a friend at this apartment, mm-hmm. and I had some friends over, and one of the girls happens to know her, and she goes, "Oh my god, she is so." Heard the girl's name is Rachel. She goes, okay. "Rachel's crazy about you. Like she talks about how like you were the one that got away, and how she's crazy about Damn, you." She's bro. like, "You should hit her up." And now yeah. I had been drinking a couple sodas, you know, yeah, so I'm a like, pops. so I sent her sort of a, an explicit text. Oh boy. <laughs> she, it wasn't, it wasn't like a picture of my dick or anything, but it was like, it was like, like I want to, you know. Yeah. I, I'm dog sitting. I wish you were the dog sitting on my face. <laughs> yeah. Not that bad, but essentially being very straightforward. Like I want to hang out immediately mm-hmm. type of thing. More explicit than yep, that. Yep. To which she replies with a question mark. Oh boy. And then I had to backtrack. I'm like, oh, I'm with somebody. She said you were talking. And then she just goes, I'm married. (laughs) What? No. Fucking rotten intelligence report, bro. That is bad. That's a bad briefing, dude. Terrible. That is a drone strike on a wedding. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, this girl who I didn't know. You think you're hitting a weapons depot and you end up hitting a (laughs) wedding. Exactly. It's like fucking the famous... 
I think Bill Clinton did something like that. I they think a lot of our the, presidents have yeah, done stuff like that. Yeah. Bombing hospitals and stuff by accident. But dude, literally like it was some girl who I didn't know who like wanted to make some connection. She had heard some piece of Intel years ago and then starts bringing it up as if it's like a current thing. Oh, geez. Lo you know, behold, I make a fool, fool out of that's myself. totally on her. Shout out, she, Rachel. She needs to date and cite the information she's giving you. <laughs> She yeah. needs to say, just so you know, Rachel, by the way, uh, has a, a big thing for you. 2006, <laughs> comma, uh, J-Store. You know, <laughs> Farmer's Market, Bushwick, <laughs> four apartments ago. That's all I got. That's a dusty dude. Wikipedia fact. That Brutal. might need to be fact-checked. You well, know? I was in a museum, dude. There you go. Get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. Well, um, I got something for you. <laughs> sure. So... What do I want to tell you? Oh, this is this is what I wanted to say. But I love the matchmaking stuff, man. That's good stuff. That's man. good stuff. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user friendly and nice and not too technical an industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. So here's here's what I want to run by you. So, oh, this works. So, okay. You know how we, every once in a while, we hear about a man who gets discovered for having a second secret family. Yes. In Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> we enjoy this topic. It, oh, have we talked about this before? Yes, but like but conceptually, like Okay. So, I think about this a lot. I don't know why I've been thinking about this so much. But I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And first of all, we've said I think we've probably said if uh that you know, it always seems to be Phoenix. It was like Phoenix or Salt Lake City or Topeka. Dude, my dad goes to Arizona once a year, and yeah. now I'm like, better watch Fuck, out. Maybe, yeah, he's going with the baseball team of his college. I'm oh, like, he's not. He doesn't have an official role with the baseball team. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm just kind of like the mascot. I'm like the mascot. Yeah. Oh boy, you better you better watch out. You gotta fucking you're gonna tail have, him. You're gonna have a brother. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. So. The thing that I was so curious about is that when that guy gets discovered, right, by his, let's say, New York family for having this second secret family in Phoenix all these years, you know, there's this tearful confession, sits the family down, everyone's shattered. <laughs> but he also has to do that in Phoenix, right? He has to sit <laughs> the Phoenix family down and be like, listen, guys horrible news right all those times that you thought i was going to new york city for business i was actually seeing my second family yeah now which is actually my first family so well, so so which one <laughs> is family a and which one is family b you have to assume the new york city one because let's assume that someone in new york city is making more money than someone in arizona 
And that kind of money gives you that flexibility to be lying about your business trip. But I think that this is just a New York centric point of view. I think that's just an extension of us thinking that the world revolves around New York well, City. But New York City is a more expensive place to live. Therefore, you have to assume people make more money. I guess, I don't know, maybe the cost of living in Arizona is less, whatever. But like the most rich people in America live in New York, I thought. So you're telling me that he loves his New York son more than his Kansas son because he makes more money in New York. No, he may not. I'm just saying the first family may be in New York. He then has the money for the flexibility. He finds some fucking whoever, some lady he loves, and then suddenly he has a family with her, and he has his Kansas son and his New York son. Would you think that, let's say that both families were to forgive him and and be willing to work it out, that uh, more often than not, he moves forward with the New York family than the Wichita family. Yeah, I, w- I would say definitely. Like, what do you think the percentage is? There ends up being this like remorseful moment where like he wants to make it right and re- reconnects with his original first love and you know mm-hmm. is in the doghouse long enough until he starts dogging her again. Okay, because he's going back. He's, he, he's you know, going back. Once he's you're a, a fucking dog. rotten scoundrel, yeah, you're you a rotten are, you know? fish. You're a ruffian. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I tend to agree. I wonder if it's like 70% stays with the New York, uh, 30% stays with the Phoenix. With the new family. Fam. But I, it's such an amazing thing to me. This ugh. Dude, the way they get outed is so interesting. It's usually in some unusual time. Like, for example, like they figure this out. It's a well-oiled machine and some like unpredicted circumstances end up being the thing that exposed them. Mm. And that's for like all fraud, like Madoff. If the financial crisis never happens, Madoff never gets caught. Is that right? Yeah, because everybody pulled, started pulling their money out of the fund. Yeah. And if they didn't do that, he could have still acted like everybody had their shit. I'm sure eventually they would have figured it out. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's the same shit with this kind of stuff. Like, for some reason, a bill goes to the house. They send an invitation. Somebody sends an invitation to his New York house instead of his Arizona house. That's because it. Of, it's like something very random yeah. that you end up getting caught. Or like, there's a hurricane and... You see him on TV with his other family holding them. Or, I don't yeah. Know. Oh man, I I was thinking that too. Tornado Alley, right? He's got like, a he's got a family that lives in Tornado Alley. They're on the news, standing in front of a pile of kindling that used to be their house, <laughs> devastated. And they're like, "And our our father wasn't even here. He's in New York City." Uh, James Buchanan, <laughs> if you're watching this, come home. We need you. And he's like, oh, shit. And then his wife and he are watching it, you know, at their breakfast counter in their Park Avenue apartment. And he's like, is James Buchanan? Wasn't he the president? He sure was. He 13th was president? Not a good one. <laughs> he was a- I don't think Buchanan was a very good president. He's certainly not one you hear about very often. No. Um, dude, isn't that funny that when you give somebody bad news, you're always like, you might want to sit down for this. Like 15th fuck close. You're always like, you want to sit, you might want to sit down for this. Like no one ever tells you to sit down and then gives you like incredible news. No one's like, you might want to sit down. I baked some fucking cookies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You either got cheated on or someone's dead. Like, it's always something terrible. Dude. Also not for nothing. If I'm going to receive bad news, I'd much rather be standing up. I, I, I've never heard. First of all, I've never heard something so bad that it caused me to faint. Right? Is that why we tell people to sit down in case the news is so fucking ruinous that it it causes them to pass out? Right? And then, and if I if it's so bad that I, I that you're going to tell it to me and it's going to ruin my life, I'd rather just be 
as close to the door as possible so I can walk you out. Just run out of there. Yeah. Have you ever bombed so hard that you felt like you were going to faint? Yeah, I think so. I have one time. I started seeing stars. I was bombing so bad. One time I... Yeah. Yeah, one time I bombed so hard. It was at a burger place in the East Village. And it was like oh, my... Bear burger upstairs? I don't even know what it was, dude. It was like my fourth set ever. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing impressions. Mm. And they didn't know a lot of the people that I was doing impressions <laughs> of. It was like esoteric ESPN sports anchors. <laughs> And I was like, why did I think? It's my impression of Keith Olbermann. Yeah. Here's Chris Berman and then, you know, whatever else. And and nobody fucking knew. And I don't even think the impressions were that good. So they were like, even if we had known these people. Here's my impression of Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, dude, I was doing Catch a Rising Star in Princeton. Mm. I was I was cold opening, doing like 25. And then I was bringing up the other guy. And this was like early on in my like career or whatever i and this is the weekend where i brought my middle school sweetheart with me i i reconnected with her she wasn't even my sweetheart i had a crush on her in middle school she didn't give me the time of day i reconnected with her as an adult brought her on the road mm -hmm. and then we like had this wild weekend together it was an amazing wow moment. but saturday night of that of that weekend i go up there and i'm trying to like film it and get a set and there's only like there's only like 16 people in the crowd and eight of them were people who had a problem with like the ticket process that they were then taking out on me. Like oh. they tried to use a coupon. They weren't able to, and they just were like mad already. And like, I also, I guess wasn't doing that well. And they just started being like, you suck. And there was only like 20 people in the room. They dude. were saying that to and you. This is like three minutes into my 25 minutes. Holy smokes, dude. And it's just in like, you know, any T any young comedians out there, when it gets that personal and direct, like you just have to address it yeah. directly. You can't just be like, so my dad's a real kook. No, you got to do crowd work and you got to kind of get to know people yeah, and, and yeah. hope that you can win them back. Look, you got to do crowd work. You got to find a way to get these people on your side. And if they're not rising to the challenge and they're not waking up to you, uh, maybe you could make them a cup of coffee <laughs> from the Brooklyn Roasting Company. Guys, this coffee, no joke. I know you guys are, are, are new to this. This is This is something that I was excited about. This is the best coffee I've ever had. Number one, no joke. No ifs, ands, or buts. If you guys are coffee drinkers, Brooklyn Roasting Company is the best coffee I have ever had. Dude, also, this is like a very like mainstream hip sponsor. Dude, it's awesome, man. Very I'm cool. so hyped to be telling people about them. They have an amazing roasting plant right here in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. It's like half a mile from here. I went to the plant got a tour of the plant, saw their whole process, got this awesome bag of samples and stuff, tried a bunch of their coffee. They're super old school. They are coffee aficionados. The guy that started it, this guy, Jim, he was originally like a beer brewer. Oh, cool. And then he realized that he just loved coffee more, but had learned so much about the the process of like making beverages that he switched to coffee. Um, Dude, I love that we're sourcing local. I know, Oops, man. They're so sick. This is the Iris Espresso. This is my favorite because we make espresso drinks. But if you go to brooklynroasting.com right now, you will find all kinds of different blends that they have and try them out. Um, use promo code OOPSBEANS, one word, to get 5% off at checkout. By the way, really quick, they also make coffee peanut butter. Whoa. Which may sound insane. Sounds I had some amazing. of this today, dude. It is 
crack. Oh my god. It is crack. You throw some of that on an ice cream or a brownie or just even a sandwich. Dude, oh my god, fuck. game over. I think I, I don't want to speak out of uh, telltales out of school here, but I think this was a collaboration with Gwyneth Paltrow. Interesting. I think she was the one that was like, "Can you make this?" And they made it and dude, try it. You know what? I'm going to make you try a spoonful. Are you seeing Hill Dog later? It'll be fine. Peanut, peanut. No, dude, that's nice. Your girlfriend has a nut allergy. We'll talk about that. I have an update on that too. We spend a little, a little time spoonful. Wait till you try this, buddy. Oh, oh my yeah. God. How good is that? I'm not lying. Yeah, he's going for more. Okay, okay. Oh, whoa, easy does it. Pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. It's dude. really amazing. Honestly, guys, go check out uh, Brooklyn Roasting. Oh my God. Um, and use promo code OOPSBEANS, get some coffee, get some merch, get some swag, get the coffee peanut butter. I promise you will not regret it. Dude, wow. So, so peanuts, she may or may not even be allergic to them anymore. We don't take the risk. So I will thoroughly wash my mouth out before I see her. Got it. But like, it's one of those that were like, she may have become unallergic, but because she didn't reintroduce it back into her diet, she may be allergic again. And it's unclear how allergic, but tree nuts are what really get her. And listen to this. What are tree nuts? Cashews, pistachios, um, not nuts. Nuts are a legume. Ah. Or not nuts, sorry. Peanuts are a legume. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So last weekend, it's her sister's birthday. And this is a great story to give you guys an, an example of how allergic Hillary is to nuts. We go to this vegan restaurant. A really good spot, actually. I don't, I'm not going to say which spot now because it's going to make them look bad. But we're sitting there. We're eating. We're ordering stuff for the table. We order this like mushroom sandwich. We're like, is there nuts in it? And they're like, no. So comes out, we start eating, we start eating. Hillary goes, she takes a bite and she goes, something's not right. Uh-oh. Waitress comes out. She's like, can you just double check to make sure there's no nuts on that? She goes, yeah. Goes back in, comes back out five minutes later, goes, there's cashew in the dressing. Dude, we just immediately stand up and go to the hospital. Immediately. Because if we what? don't, Hillary will die. She's the second... A piece of anything involving cashew hits her palate. She begins to die. Isn't that fucked up? She begins to die. So we have to get up. So it was a big table because it was her sister's birthday. So me, her sister, her sister's boyfriend, and Hillary all go to the hospital, which happens to be the hospital I was born in, Methodist Hospital in Brooklyn. Uh, We go. They give her an EpiPen. And they're like, listen, you have to carry your EpiPen, blah, blah, blah. But she she, she made a good point. When you take an EpiPen, you have to go to the hospital. Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to be close to a hospital, do you really need to bring your EpiPen? Regardless, we go, she takes the EpiPen, and then we have to sit in the hospital for five hours because just oh in case she has God. a second wave of the reaction. And dude, the hospital happened to be packed that day. And not to be a dick to this old guy, but there was some old guy in a room, and I'm assuming maybe he was losing it or something because he just kept going, help. <laughs> help. Help. Oh, and he's dude, yelling help? Yes. That's not funny. Dude, I no, shouldn't have laughed. No, it is. I thought it was just a weird sleeping sound. <laughs> it's okay. I thought he was snoring. I'm assuming he had been attended to and maybe he was just like not all there. But dude, at mm-hmm. some point I was like, hell, I got to take a lap. Like I can't take the help every 10 seconds on, on the dot. Yeah. It's like Chinese water torture. I got to get the fuck out of here. Dude, I, man. How crazy is that? Waiting me? in a hospital. Saturday afternoon, five and a half hours. For somebody... There's never a good time to go to a hospital. There's never a time where the hospital is pretty empty. 
Do you know what I, I yeah, mean? Yeah. People least, get especially injured New York, dude. around the clock. Yeah. You go at two in the morning, Pat. you got a bunch of people who have been socked in the jaw in Greenwich Village. I know. You go at 3 p.m., you got a bunch of people who got into motorcycle accidents. Yeah. 7 p.m., people who have, you know, lit their sleeve on fire cooking risotto. Totally. It doesn't matter what time you go to a hospital, people are in trouble. Dude, totally. And, and like, dude, it's just the whole situation of it is stressful. Like, this is my girl, dude. Like, knowing that like literally it's it's dramatic but it's true like the fact that she is beginning to inflate to the point where she will eventually not be able to breathe is a terrible feeling seeing your fucking girl who you love go through that so so what's the treatment what do they you do take an, you take epinephrine Ep an epipen yep then they give you a bunch of benadryl and a bunch of shit and they just monitor you to make sure you don't have a second wave because sometimes you will they don't pump your stomach or anything no like but that. your stomach will feel like shit for a couple days but like it's not just the breathing her entire inside start to inflate mm. to the point dude it's just like really fucked up and i feel so bad for her because it takes away the ability for her to be really spontaneous like she can't go on these like adventure trips that i go on because if she eats something wrong and nobody speaks english and she eats a nut like she's fucking toast yeah you know and damn they're dude. saying there are some like shot treatments that maybe if you take them once a month will lessen your the severity of your of your uh symptoms or whatever so we're looking into that and hopefully boy i'm so sorry to hear that that's pretty traumatic how many times has she had to go to the hospital as a result of something like this so it's been two times in the last year but before that it hadn't been for 10 years wow her process is so meticulous of how she knows where everybody's fork has been she knows what everybody's eating. She like she doesn't want to be annoying. She doesn't want people to not want to hang out with her, right? Because she has an allergy. So she's really good about it. Usually, mm -hmm. um, in the past year, we've been in the hospital a lot, unfortunately. But I'll tell you what, man, we get through it, and like you feel much closer to someone after sure. you go through that. Sure, it makes me really appreciate her, and like I feel bad for her, you know. Well, I yes, yeah. I I don't want to. I'm not trying to one up your story because no, this is not as good of a story, but. <laughs> Sierra went down to Miami, was hanging out with her friends, and she was wearing open-toed shoes at a bar, and someone stepped on her foot and completely dislodged her big toenail. Uh, so that only about 20% of it was clinging to its nail uh, bed. And it, it, you know, it, it was completely at a crazy angle, askance. The nail was askance. I don't even know if that's the right <laughs> But you get what I mean. Word of the day. Yeah, pretty horrific. So she goes to urgent care in the most pain. Something about toenails, man. Dude. And I know you just had... A little procedure done as well. A toenail removed. So she comes home from Miami last weekend, you know, in, in blinding pain. And I have to, you know, she, she goes to a podiatrist, has the, the toe numbed up. They remove the nail completely. And now it's you know it's all wrapped up in in, in all kinds of gauze and whatnot yeah. and and she has to do these uh warm baths of epsom salt mm. every day to clean it and then redress it and the epsom salt bath is so painful that she needs me to be there to sort of jesus help her grit her teeth and force her to keep her foot in the water it is so painful and it's not fun, as you said. I mean, I feel like I'm torturing somebody I love, uh, even though I know it's it's what she needs. And then having to redress her foot, or I'm I'm a little squeamish. No, I feel like I'm a little I'm a little bit of a squeamer. And 
looking at a toe without a toenail is not fun, dude. It's weird, man. It's, you know, I, I apologize if anybody's like cringing from listening to this, but dude, it is bad. Guys, spoiler alert, we're about to talk about something kind of gross. So if you are not into that, feel free to skip ahead about five minutes. Yeah, it's it's like injury kind of gruesomeness. Uh, so nothing nothing beyond that. But if, if you're squeamish about that stuff, give it a give it a couple 30 second skip forwards. <laughs> So the re- the way I got to where I'm at. Yeah, you just had, and it's so strange because Julio legitimately had a very similar thing happen two days after my girlfriend did. So crazy. So, dude, I was playing a set against Michael Costa, our buddy. A tennis set. Very good yeah. tennis player, yeah. And on clay, you can slide. So I slid on my right foot to hit a forehand, and like somehow my toe just like jammed into my sneaker and popped my toenail in half, which was, dude... I'm not kidding you. Ah! The day after that, mo- the most pain I've ever been through in my life. Yeah, it, man. It ends up falling off. And when it grew back, it grew back all fucked up. So they tried to fix it, tried to fix it, and they couldn't. And yesterday, they just had to jam like a bar into all the way down to my toenail. Ah! And then like a crowbar, pop it off, dude. How crazy. <laughs> Sorry to everybody. I look sick. Um, but so now it's healing. Um, I can't get it wet. So I'm like, showering with a fucking bag over my foot which yeah. is like crazy yeah but dude yeah it's it's kind of squeamish dude like and I, it makes me feel bad it makes me squeamish it makes me feel bad about like the prospect of having like a real gruesome procedure done because mm-hmm. even last night in bed i was like dude my toes so fucked up right now like that's so Ugh, nasty and like it, you can feel it healing i don't know that's good. Yeah. No, listen, dude, I, I get it. I don't know. It's something about nails. I, I shut a finger in a door once and it and the whole yeah. nail filled up with blood on the inside and went black. And then it took a, like a couple weeks for the nail to actually fall off. And the night that I had shut it in the door, we were all going out and we actually went to Soho House and I was in so much pain and it was something that nobody cared about. Right, nobody like, understands. Dude, clearly this isn't that bad because I would show them a nail and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's bruised, whatever." But it's the pressure of the swelling against the nail and your finger not being able to. You know, I was icing it. Nothing I did. I I drank. I smoked weed. I was trying to numb it. Nothing was happening. And eventually, at like ten o'clock, I was like, "I have to go home because I can't think about anything else right now." Yeah. Dude, and what you can do in that situation to relieve the pain, apparently my uncle is like basically a doctor. Poke a pin in it? You poke a pin, yeah. hot pin, and fucking start spouting out. It's Good. crazy. That would have worked at Soho House. Dude. <laughs> they would have loved that there. <laughs> start spraying yeah. everybody like Spider-Man. Yeah. Dude, so I remember <laughs> I asked the lady at, at uh, the podiatrist, uh, at the doctor, I was like, can I just take my toenail off? She's like, no. She's like, that's literally what they do for torture. Like Oof. it's the most painful thing in the world. And it made me think, dude, I don't think I would last very long being tortured. And I understand why people give false confessions because you have to believe in God so much or, or, or know that by confessing, you're going to immediately be killed or else. Why would you not confess when you're being tortured? Yeah. I, first of all, I don't understand what information I possess (laughs) that anyone would need to take, you know, (laughs) <laughs> a toolkit to me in order to get it out of me, fortunately. But, but I would, got, you got the wrong guy. Yeah, what if it's that situation? I mean, I would immediately 
divulge the information if someone held a, a blowtorch to my anus. You know, whatever it is. I like. Are you kidding me? There's Bleaching a, your hole the old-fashioned way. Yeah, we'll figure it out after I've let the cat out of the bag. If I need to, then run home and have our family, like you know, print up some fa- false passports and move to Guadalupe for the rest of our lives. So be it. But uh, you know, short of that, I I don't understand. I w- I think I would even have fun concocting a false confection i would i would absolutely i'd be like no wait there's more and they'd be like we, we got it you gave us the social security numbers the addresses <laughs> and i'm like i didn't tell you that the dad is a lefty so you better come at him from the right <laughs> you know he keeps a <laughs> he keeps a bag of uh of pistols under the stairs <laughs> whatever it may be um yeah torture would not it, what is the method of torture that you would be the most scared to face pulling teeth really yeah getting your teeth pulled out raw dog wow with with pliers bro okay what about you well i mean after all this nail talk my thought immediately goes to uh having your fingernails removed yeah um because you've seen that in movies and it looks absolutely horrific however I, i i also think that um just any kind of like any kind of cutting mm-hmm. you know if someone was taking a knife and, and just slowly pushing it into my thigh or oh my god dude. shooting me in the kneecap yeah that sounds holy bad. smokes dude that sounds pretty bad what else is there I mean, waterboarding waterboarding supposed to be bad i don't understand why or how it can i'm sure it's terrible but like it doesn't scare me as much because I have no idea what it feels like. So you know what we were talking about last night that was pretty funny? What? We were talking about octopus teacher, as we oh, often yeah. do. <laughs> and for some reason Oh, we were talking about we were talking about oh, yeah. this is what we were talking about. We were talking snorkeling. about snorkeling. Diving, you know, diving versus snorkeling. And I had said Dude, it's insane that that's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we're just sitting off having sidebar conversations while everyone else is like doing normal shit. We're just basically <laughs> podcasting with no recording with no equipment. Recording. <laughs> So we're sitting there and we're, someone had brought up the Seaspiracy doc, which I haven't watched. Have you Nor seen have I, it? No. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to not eat fi- fish. I, well, it's <laughs> that. I love eating fish, but it's also that, you know, I don't want to know that the next time I go snorkeling, which I absolutely love to do, that I could be saying goodbye to my fishy friends for the last time. Right. You right, know, right. I, I want to know. I don't want to know that. Uh-huh. Um, and so... I, we we're talking about this. We're on the subject, you and I, of, of diving. I said I dove the Great Barrier Reef with uh, scuba diving equipment. Mm-hmm. And you were like, wait, did you have a snorkel on? And I was like, no, it was oxygen tanks, full on diving. And I said, you know, you asked me, have you ever d- dived beneath the surface wearing a snorkeling mask yeah. like they do in my octopus teacher? Right, right. And I was like, no, I can't do that at all. <laughs> and you were like, the second I do it, I'm drowning. <laughs> and I completely agree. 100%. Anytime you try to get fancy snorkeling and you take, you know, you want a closer look at the reef. So you're like, I'm just, I can go down and you sort of point yourself down. And you take a breath. I don't know what it is, but I am drowning instantly you you just immediately start drowning whereas in a pool i can go down to the bottom of the pool 
no snorkeling mask on, maybe some goggles on, and I can pick up, I don't even know, $14 in quarters. <laughs> no problem. Come back to the surface and, and I'm, I'm good to go. But if I am wearing a snorkel Dude, it's over. and I go under the ocean waves, I'm instantly drowning. I, yeah. Panic. Like, how is that even possible? Like, it seems like the pressure of, of the water, like you wouldn't even be able to do it. You'd have to be People trained. People do it, man. They swim languidly. <laughs> they slim they swim languidly with their snorkel mask on for for long dives Dude. that's my octopus teacher that guy was staying down with his snorkel mask on for probably at least a minute or two wild yeah unbelievable dude. yeah that was a very funny conversation uh <laughs> that we were having dude i'm excited on the next episode to talk about our little night on the town yeah I, i'm claiming i can't spots. believe we didn't get to that i know but it's, that is a stuff. very funny <laughs> That's a good one. I can't wait. Well, anyway, uh, this was Oops the Podcast. Guys, I can't recommend it enough. Brooklyn Coffee Roasting. But Brooklyn Roasting Company uh, is unbelievable coffee. Uh, promo code Oops uh, Beans. Oops Beans. Go check them out. Check out our YouTube, Oops the Podcast. Check out our Instagram, Oops the Podcast. Uh, check out Francis' Patreon. Yeah, check out my Patreon. I got videos, songs, blogs, all my writing. Francis sells five bucks a month if you guys like me. Please come check it out. I really appreciate you. It's it's my way of uh, making a living now, uh, aside from the pod. So um, I would love you for it. And uh, that's all the, the promotion. And we thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Good night.